Welcome to the Creating Us podcast, hosted by the Office of Leader and Culture Development. I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. We're excited to be with you again as we talk about the simple truths of leadership. Shelby, it happened. We did it again. We did it again. (laughs) You know, we were so insistent on saying every week we're going to be on time, on point, and here we are. Two weeks later. Not good. Oh, man. But we've been busy, and we've been busy with good things, which is always great. Um, But we are back, and we are going to catch up. And we're going to be better than ever. Exactly. So (laughs) we're going to be talking about two simple truths today. So that's going to be simple truth 44 and simple truth 45. So what are we talking about today, Shelby? Well, let's start off with simple truth number 44. And that is the most important part of leadership is what happens when you're not there. What does that mean? Well, can you trust people whenever you're not in the office? Can you trust them to work from home without you checking their every move? That's a great question. And that's a big question. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly the essence of what it is that we're talking about with this simple truth. Because what we're getting at is empowerment. Mm-hmm. And that ability to place a level of trust within your employees to say, do they have the tools and resources they need to get the job done? So very simply, what we're looking at is if I am as a leader spending all of my time watching my team, monitoring what, what it is they're doing, I'm not really doing my job. Right. You're focusing way too much on what everybody else should be doing. Exactly. And And accomplishing your task. Well, and I think this this brings up the discussion of you haven't empowered them Mm -hmm. to be able to do their job. You know, we've seen this time and time again where leaders are focused on, I have to know every single thing you're doing. Well, I want to take an unemotional approach here. I want to take a very neutral um, organizational approach. If I can't trust them to do a job, that I'm paying them to do, then why did I hire them? Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing. We as an organization have certain tasks that need to be completed. We have an objective. We have an, we have a mission. When we have a need for additional support, we open it up. We review. We talk to people. We get... Um, we, we get to pick somebody to come in and do this job because they have demonstrated the skills that are needed to do it. We say, we're going to pay you. We're going to give you benefits. We're going to help you with your retirement. We're going to do all these other things. So why then do we have such a hard time letting them do the job we hire them to do? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's obviously going to be times when, there are employees that are not getting things done on time and they're not um, living up to the expectations, but that's when you have to have those difficult conversations, but it's not everyone. And so I, if you have, if as you, if you as a leader are just checking everything, micromanaging everyone, then I don't think you are empowering or trusting your teammates to get to do what they're supposed to do. I want to go back to something you just said, which was expectations. Mm -hmm. If we haven't set clear expectations, then our people aren't going to know what to do. Right. 
I, I mean, period. If yeah. we don't take the time to lay a foundation to say, these are the standards, these are the expectations, create the framework. You know, if we go back to an earlier uh, simple truth, we learn that we can create autonomy through boundaries. Yeah. Our role should be able to say, here are the parameters. I need you to work within these because we need to accomplish this goal. But how you get there, as long as you stay within these parameters, I don't care. Well, and I think also, you know, sometimes um, we don't, going back to what you said, creating those expectations, setting clear expectations. Sometimes we're like, hey, can you get this done? And we don't even say when it needs to be done. And so then we expect it and they come back to us and say, hey, I didn't know you needed it right now. You know, and and then that kind of destroys some trust too because it's a miscommunication. But this is a great point because we we all play a role in it. This is not a one sided thing because right. if I set expectations and my team's still saying, "Well, what are we supposed to do?" I'm not doing my job, and so then I need to be able to evaluate myself and say I need to improve how I communicate. Right? Yeah. It's a partnership. It's a collaboration. That's what we're getting at. You know, I really like what they say on here um, on page 115 is trusting your folks to do the work doesn't mean you are blindly placing trust in them. You're making a decision based on their competence and commitment to their tasks or goals. And, and what does that connect to? We were just dealing with it this morning. The trust equation. The trust equation. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with the trust equation, I would encourage you Google search the trusted advisor. It is an organizational development company, and they have a model, and their model is essentially competence or the ability to be able to do the job, plus reliability, which means I can depend on you, plus relationships, meaning I, I know you in a workplace setting, over motivation. Are you only looking out for yourself or are you looking for a team? Those are the key qualities that we have within trust. Now, again, there's lots of different models, lots of different perspectives, but this is just one that we can make a direct connection to. But the bottom line is our role as servant leaders is to develop our people so that they can perform at their highest standard, at their highest level, regardless if we're there or not. Yeah. You know, when, when we think about leaders who say, oh, I'm struggling with being able to trust them. I'm struggling with being able to do this. That makes me think about them as a person. Yeah. And it seems as if you're worrying about things when you don't need to. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier, Shelby, because, you know, it's it's not that we're doing blind trust here. There, mm -hmm. Yeah, there are employees where we do need to kind of help develop them and, and bring them along. And yeah, there's going to be those points. But the reality is, I think, and this is my opinion, that as leaders, if we can set clear boundaries and clear expectations, then I can take the worry off. And then it's up to you to decide, do I want to continue operating in those boundaries or do I not? And if you don't, then those boundaries are going to get tighter. My engagement, my involvement with you are going to become more frequent. And so I think we have to be able to extend some level of trust and allow the employer, allow your people to dictate and determine how do they want to be managed. Yeah. And whenever they know that you trust them, whenever they come across a situation that they don't know how to do something, 
I think they can place that vulnerability with you and come to you and say, Hey, I don't know how to do this and I need help. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also a really, really great thing. And, and, and that's a wonderful transition too. When we talk about vulnerability and, and just individuals ability to be able to communicate as we look at simple truth number 45, because yeah. simple truth number 45 is the opposite of trust is not distrust. It's control. Yeah. And, and, and again, if we aren't, in, if we aren't able to empower and to guide and develop our team members, then, or if we don't want to, I'm going to push back and say, well, is it because of you want control? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the times leaders, they don't necessarily see it as a bad thing to just have control over everything, but it is um, not being vulnerable. And whenever you do let go a little bit, you have to be willing to take a risk. You have to be willing for things to fail. And sometimes that's going to happen. But it's also um, nothing ever good has come out of always succeeding (laughs) because you're never learning. But so I really do think that failure is good because it allows for growth and allows for more innovation. But um, yeah, giving up that control is hard. So let me ask you, can we control others? No. No. Can we influence them? Yes. Possibly, right? And and that one can be debated, but yes, I generally would go with a yes on that one, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's important for us to understand that. We say that because when we don't empower and when we worry and when we do all of this and we want that control, and I'm going to go to the chapter here and we're on page 117. If we define control as that which we have direct and complete power over, we quickly realize we don't possess that much control. We may be able to influence people or situations, but we can't control them. The only control we truly have is over ourselves, our actions, our attitudes, our values, our emotions, and our opinions. Mm. And so, again, it comes back to us. You know, it could be easy to say, well, they do this or they do that. I'm, I'm going to go right back to the leader. It goes back to you. Control what you can. I can set the framework. I can set the, the standards. But, you know, Shelby, it's up to you to decide if you want to meet them. If yeah. you don't, then you're not the right person for this role. And, yeah, I'm going to have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And I'm going to have to hold you accountable. I'm going to have to do all that. But it's a choice. And I think more often than not, there's a great quote, I'm forgetting who it's attributed to, but a great quote where, you know, in reality, and this is a paraphrase, in reality, you know, 99% of the people out there want to do good. They want to do right. And you very infrequently are we going to come across those individuals who are there to sabotage. And if you do have those people, why do you tolerate them? Yeah. I don't know. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be critical and and go negative. I feel like I am, but, but this is really, I mean, it's important because we need to have this awareness, right? Yeah. Well, and one thing that I just keep thinking of is another simple truth. And um, I'm pretty sure it's simple truth. Number 27. No, it's number 30 where it says someone must make the first move to extend trust leaders go first. So I think, you know, 
we have to let go of some control when we're leaders and we have to give and extend trust. Mm -hmm. And that is going to happen from the leaders first. That way they can, uh, they can start to trust you and know that they can come to you with anything. Exactly. So what if I'm hesitant as a leader? What if I'm hesitant to do that? You're listening to this and saying, all right, Jason, you are negative enough. And Shelby, you've saved this episode. What are the things that we can do? Here's three strategies that Blanchard and Conley give us. Number one, identify low risk situations where you feel comfortable extending trust. I want to, I feel like we have to include this. Rachel Botsman, wonderful author, great viewpoint on trust. She talks a lot about we have to be intentional and specific with what it is we are trusting people with. So if I'm somebody who's wanting to build trust in the workplace, we're not asking you to trust them with, trust others with your deepest, darkest secrets and everything about you. But if I'm going to delegate something to you, then I'm trusting that you're going to accomplish that task to the standards and expectations that we have. And so identify those low risk situations. Because if you've never delegated before, it can be difficult to do. Number two, assess a person's trustworthiness by gauging their competence to handle the task, integrity to do the right thing, and commitment to follow through. And then the third one is, as you become more comfortable giving up control and learn that others can be trusted, extend more trust as situations allow. And I want to highlight that point, as situations allow, because again, as a leader, everyone's environment and dynamics are different. And so you need to be able to internalize this to identify when it's appropriate to do so. Yeah. So if I trust someone, do I have to trust them with everything? Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. And I think that's hard, though, right? Because I think a lot of times we put a, a much broader, a much wider um, definition on trust. And it is. It's a big thing. There's personal, there's professional, there's all of this stuff. So then let's simplify it, right? And at work, I'm trusting you that you will accomplish this. I'm trusting you that you will accomplish that. Um, so yeah. I, I just think let's try and simplify it when we can. Yeah. I, I love it. Cool. Final thoughts, Shelby. I think there is a lot to do here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Trust is such a big topic and really trust plays a very important part of leadership and the way that your team's going to, to come together. And so I really think having that vulnerability, letting that trust go and taking some risks is going to be uh, great for your team. Make it stronger. I'd add baby steps. Mm. Takes time. Trust takes time. We know that. Find ways in which you can empower and engage your team. Think of those low trust or low risk situations where you can delegate and you can trust. But know that when a team has established trust, they're able to hold each other accountable. They're able to have healthy conflict then we see our effectiveness and we see our overall growth increase substantially. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Creating Us podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please let us know at jason.weber at ttu.edu. I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. Until next time, take care. Bye.